The manufacturing sector continues to face challenges in adopting Industry 4.0 or smart manufacturing capabilities. For many businesses, innovation can be a matter of survival. Aging legacy equipment and pressure to continue meeting heightened customer demand puts manufacturers in a tense position, having limited time or resources to adopt new capabilities or implement changes effectively. So, how can manufacturers implement innovation with a commitment to results? To learn more, we sat down with Leo Vieira, the Digital Service Director here at Stefanini. I'm Daniel Graves, and this is the Steph Talks Podcast. With me right now is uh, Leo Vieira, and we're very excited to have you. Uh, today, we're kind of discussing um, innovation. Uh, we're focusing on how innovation applies uh, within the kind of industry of, mar- of uh, manufacturing. Um, and in particular, we're discussing how do we bring meaningful results uh, that are driven by innovation, or rather innovation that's driven by meaningful results. In, in our time, is is innovation is is survival for some companies. And and if if I understand it properly, it's also that survival is is pretty complex, right? Like uh, it, the the sort of systems that kind of go behind um, that innovation process can be fairly in depth and can have pretty wide reaching uh, kind of implications for kind of the equipment that's present on the factory floor, right? Yeah, sure, and and so as as we have more and more technology, for example, you you don't have a you know a recipe, right? So you you have to understand the environment to understand what type of technology is there, what type of company, what type of uh, you know digital maturity the company has. So the answer can be uh, you know different for each each one of those companies right in uh, in terms of uh, innovation yeah and, and i think i think you you made a really strong statement there right uh, that innovation can mean survival for you know many manufacturers so maybe kind of taking us to our next question how does in, how does innovation improve manufacturing operations or what are some of the tangible things innovation can bring to a, an existing plant well, so you you can think in, in in many things, right? But for example, it can innovate to simplify internal processes, right? Or make make people more efficient, or even um, find new sources of revenue. In in some of the, the the cases, or let's say most of those cases, you can achieve those objectives applying. Uh, technology in the right in the right point right and when you see um, technology applications we we have been seeing customers innovating uh, let's say in three different levels right so the first level of innovation is hey I'm um, I don't know I'm a um, um, car producer um, I have another car producer uh, be- besides me and this guy is using a new technology that I'm not using. So this means innovation for this company in specific, right? In other cases, you can have um, intra-industries uh, type of uh, innovation, like um, I see, for example, airport technologies being applied to logistics um, inside of a manufacturing, for example, right? And the third level will be 
hey, this is a completely new technology and anyone has tried that, that before, let's let's try to our process, right? So those three levels, depending on the type of the company or the type of uh, um, ability they have to innovate, they can have those those three levels of innovation inside of the company. I caught myself uh, just kind of in preparation for our discussion today, just kind of looking at uh, definitions for innovation itself, right? And yeah. it, it's it, it's interesting that, um, you know, the kind of the basic idea is, you know, just a new idea or a new thought or a new method, right? Um, but that a lot of industry kind of uh, definitions for innovation really are interested in practical steps, right? Like what are kind of those, what are those tangible like things that you can do in order to make innovation a reality? Um, and so, you know, with that in mind, right, we, we do have these kind of big, uh, you know, even bigger buzzwords, I think, especially in the manufacturing sector of uh, industry 4.0 and smart manufacturing, right? Um, that these things are sort of, part of this larger definition of how digital technologies have influenced this industry. So how do those concepts of industry 4.0 and smart manufacturing translate into practical steps? So where does a manufacturer's transformation journey begin? Yeah, so uh, yeah, a, a lot of uh, a lot of points. And uh, so you brought a, a good point of uh, definition of innovation, right? So uh, before I so we go into those practical terms. I like to see innovation. The the way I see is 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 changing that for imagination, right? Because um, that that might be the the best or the first word that comes uh, together with innovation is imagination. Because when you get imagination word and you separate that into so you can think, imagine, and action, right? So what you're doing is, is you are putting action in the image, and that can be the image of a future or a future state, uh, you're putting action on that image that you have created, right? So, uh, and then after that, you bring creativity, right? Which is imagination, putting in, in a practical terms, right? So innovation is, is for me at least, uh, it, it's kind of imagine a new scenario and, and use creativity to, to bring new things or new ways to, to the facts, right? So when it comes to, you know, practical terms, right? So we, we know already, I don't want to, you know, go into um, how those terms, Industry 4.0 or Smart Manufacturing, they were created and why they were created or what, when they were created. The, the important point is they are tools, right? And they, they, are, they are optional tools or technologies that can help uh, companies to be uh, more effective or more efficient, right? But in practical terms, before you use a tool, you have to understand what you need to fix, right? So um, I think the, the, the first point is to understand your pain points. It's, it's to understand your problem, and that's going to help you start, right? So we always 
like a baby, right? So before you run, you, you know, stand up, you give some first steps, and then you walk, and after that, you start to run, right? So, um, again, start small, adopt, and, and that's very important, adopt an interactive approach, right? So you're not going to have an innovation in a, just one shot, right? So just one um, process. So that could be a process of interactive actions, measuring the results, changing strategies if necessary, right? It's so much of a mindset, right? Like uh, you, you often, you don't know what your problems are until, you know, you, you sort of change your perspective and try to rethink, you know, how should things be operating? How should things be happening, right? And I, I have to imagine, you know, especially in, in an industrial setting where thing, the, there's so much of an emphasis on standardization and safety and so forth, it's, it's sort of difficult to start asking those questions on a consistent basis, right? Yeah, and, and, and talking about identifying problems. So when when it comes to where should I, you know, start or how do I bring those technologies, choose the area that is will give you the the more um, significant result, or on the other hand, will make you you know spend less money or waste less money in some of the operations, right? So define define the goals so and uh, and uh, what do we we used to do right so 10 15 years ago we we saw a lot of companies doing those uh, multi year plans right so five year plans and so you don't see that anymore right so you see that people planning less and acting more so doing more uh, but not doing something without the guidance, right? So it's just, so the guidance should be the vision. So where should I be? And then giving small steps towards that, that uh, you know, objective. What are, what are maybe some of those challenges that you experience when you're kind of first beginning that process of innovation for a manufacturer? The fact is, the, the manufacturers, they are commonly risk averse. So they don't take risk uh, many often, right? So that's that's the first point. And, and innovation means, always means, uh, you know, work with some risk. Right? So we, you are always worried. So trying something that may, may not happen, may not work or may not happen the way we were expecting, right? So, and um, uh, the first thing is to kind of mindset, as you said, right? So realize that that innovation process will bring will bring some mistakes to the table, right? Uh, we'll, we'll bring some waste of money sometimes. And, uh, but the point is, and the key is to be prepared to have a flexible, um, model that can help you, you know, as I said before, interactively understand what is happening and maybe changing the direction, right? Or even stopping a project, right? So we have been, um, you know, seeing some prototyping process that never went ahead. So, but, you know, from the perspective of a prototype, 
that's a successful approach because the prototype shows that you know no, a final product will not you know work uh, that's why prototyping is something very important as well because you kind of uh, mimic the solution and you try that and to validate some of the hypotheses you may have down the road right um, and so, you know, just kind of keeping that in mind, you know, I've I've been kind of reading through some of our other case studies, right? And uh, it's it's really interesting just to see how you know often, um, you know, the, the the ways that you know solutions are kind of developed for you know different different customers, right? Like uh, that often those those happen while the production line is still moving. That you know things don't necessarily stop, right? We just because you have to continue kind of keeping your production output where it is right um so you know i think that brings us to this broader idea how do you implement meaningful innovation when you have an obligation to results right when you when you know that you need to have that specific those specific numbers for your output how do you sort of what what does that innovation process look like maybe then yeah so the the first thing is maybe you are not obligated to follow the buzzwords or to use the trending technologies, for example, right? So in many cases um, that we have been seeing, uh, you, you just innovate, just, you know, connecting the dots or connecting systems or even using the tools that you already have, right? So when you have the obligation to bring results to the table, um, it's 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 a matter of understanding of where your uh, kind of inefficiencies are, right? So, so how do you track that? How do you measure that, right? So you have more chances to succeed if you put efforts um, where the process inefficiencies are. That's 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 key for sure. Yeah, right. Like a. Uh the that emphasis on you know your results right then is sort of is kind of works both ways right you know that you need to hit these certain deadlines but if you're aware of those results right you're you're more likely to see where those inefficiencies actually appear right yeah so but daniel to be very honest um the last maybe three or five years um i have been seeing some uh, very interesting projects uh, so talking about specifically uh, smart manufacturing, right? Because um, as I said, in the past we used to we used to have um, projects with close scope, close time time frame, and close budget, right? So nowadays we have um, people more concerned about the results, and so if we are seeing the results and seeing the value of that specific, uh, you know, um, project or specific initiative that you're doing. So you can give some flexibility, for example, on the scope, right? So you can not necessarily um, do everything that you have written in a, you know, initial initial project statement, for example, you are more flexible to to move down the road, but not, you know, concerned about 
you know, the number of uh, features that your software you, you have, for example, but what kind of problem that software is resolving at the, at the, the end of the day, right? Yeah, the, that um, the, maybe it's we're kind of seeing that same uh, mindset that we were discussing for prototyping, right? But just on a much wider scale, right? Like a, yeah. when you when you see that your results are going in the right direction, right? You know that these certain steps that you've taken are maybe producing the results that you're looking for. But then you might then question maybe those initial like broader steps that you had talked about or you had initially agreed upon, right? Yeah, no, because th this may be because my my mindset already, right? Because we we as a, as a a technology company, we we have to follow some contracts, right? And those contracts have you know a scope, and uh, but we see some new, um, so not some. I I would say a lot of customers be open to work in a more open uh, open way and really making our you know co-creation mindset uh, work instead of just you know being <laughs> uh, just a phrase or something that I said so we're really we are really partnering with customers uh, in a way to co-create their their new level of maturity in their process. So do you think that that shift that you're describing, um, this this maybe more open-ended process, do you think that that has, um, do you think that that has more to do with sort of the sort of technology that's becoming available now? Like, I think, you know, my understanding of it is that the, really the, the thing that's, the advancements that we're seeing are sort of the product of having the ability to connect pieces of equipment or pieces of the of the production line, right? And having things be able to talk to each other in ways that they've never really been able to before, right? That 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 just kind of opens so many doors. Is that maybe sort of what's causing that? Or is or is there maybe something else that's kind of driving that just openness, I guess? Yeah, it's 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 a complete open-ended, right? So just because you brought, for example, uh, uh, you know, a virtual assistant for your home, it doesn't it doesn't mean it, it, you are done, right? So you can connect that with your, you know, um, front door. You can, you know, integrate that to, with your coffee maker. You can, you know, <laughs> so you have a lot of things that can make your life easier. Uh, and and I, I always bring those day, day by day uh, problems to the table because in manufacturing are the same because we have people there, we have interactions there that needs to be integrated some way, right? So, um, and one one good thing on, on this environment that we are, right? So we, as Stefanini, we are a technology company that has no uh, limitations in terms of what we can do in a manufacturing space. Uh, we have been, for example, applying a lot of uh, user experience to the shop floor, meaning even the most uh, manual and most um, you know aggressive environment, uh, or in, even in a more you know um, basic activity for the operators, you can apply user experience to you know to understand the job 
and to bring, for example, tools and information for that person to make that uh, you know task or work easier or more efficient at the end of the day, right? So uh, that was something never you know considered before, right? So we um, the technology um, uh, builders they are more. Uh, they have more the tendency to put everything on a screen. For example, let's put all the let's put all the signals, all the data in the screen, and not the way it is done, right? So the the flow is important. The way the data is pre presented is important, and how the, the the information flow is coming from one station, for example, to other station is also is also very important as well. Yeah, right. these are these are always these have traditionally been considered more like workplace terms, right? Like or things that are kind of more used in the office space rather than you know the manufacturing environment. Those are very common, let's say, IT terms, yeah. and and very normal. But when it comes to process control or even manufacturing space, it's not that common, right? So that's that's the this is the area that we have been making a lot of impact in our you know in our customers or partners that we have with that in mind right again with this kind of uh thought that we're trying to focus on innovation that brings those really tangible results what are maybe some resources that companies have in order to bring innovation to their to to the factory floor yeah, so that's a very general question because that that will depend on how the how the companies organize, what type of resources they have, and and the level of uh, let's say digital maturity that they have as well. But I mean, so uh, to you to start innovate, you have to leverage, uh, let's say, the multiplicity of minds that you have in your in your company right so sometimes you putting an automation engineer to talk with you know uh, your it area you bring you a more efficient solution or a more efficient way to to bring some data or some information to the system that you may make you more efficient right so i i think the most common or most general action would be leverage the multiplicity that a company has. This was a, a thought that you actually, I think you referenced in your uh, supply chain executive article. Uh, it was just that idea that, you know, the real benefit of industry 4.0 is maybe less about the actual technology itself and more about the people that are using it. Um, so maybe what are some cases that where uh, Stephanie IHM has effectively implemented implemented innovation in a manufacturing operation? Yeah, so uh, again, if we stick to the, you know, the trending technologies, for example, we have been uh, using robotization to replace uh, or to take human from, uh, you know, places that are not, you know, safe. For example, or we can use, um, you know, AI or predictive models to to estimate uh, 
a future value or a future uh, a future quality parameter for example right and um and um some of those those cases as well will be around those you know user experience so making so identifying the customer the center of your problem and then bringing technology to help him to be more successful right so um, th that approach would be uh, so have been uh, you know we have been bringing um, a lot of tangible results for customers because of that you know let's say human centric approach I think we've kind of highlighted a lot of the kind of buzzwords that we see in the industry, right? Um, just because I think, you know, we there's so much chatter that kind of happens about them, right? That it's the emphasis kind of, again, focuses on the technology and not necessarily, you know, whether or not that's meaningful for any given uh, manufacturer, right? So what is the role of IIoT or the Industrial Internet of Things uh, you talked about it a little bit, but also AI uh, in manufacturing. Are these just buzzwords? Uh, how meaningful is the uh, is the impact of these technologies? And maybe what are some other examples of trending technologies that can have a meaningful impact on innovation efforts? Yeah. So yeah, uh, IoT in the industrial environment has a different approach, right? Because if you again, if you think in our lives, uh, uh, if you bring a smart plug for your home, for example, it is already uh, connected to Wi-Fi. So it use a um, uh, network. It is collecting some data, for example, or and, and it is you know, sending to a, a central place that has an algorithm that take, it, it is taking some decisions, for example, right? So in, in, in the industrial environment, you already have some of those components right so if you divide i i usually divide uh, iot in five parts so the first part is the sensor part of that so what are you you are measuring right the 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 other one would be how you transfer that data so the network that that data is going through or sending that data through right the the third component to be uh, you know the data bucket or the data infrastructure that's receiving that data and how that is seated on, on this place the fourth is the intelligence or the AI piece or the intelligence that is leveraging that data and taking decision and sending the data back sometimes is sending the data back to the sensor uh, for example, right? So, and the fifty one is the whole. So, how that technology interacts with the human. So, the human experience around that, right? So, when it comes to industrial, sometimes you already have the sensors. Sometimes the network is there. Some of them use cable. Some of them use Wi-Fi. Even. Uh, most of the customers already have databases and most the, the the maybe some of the missing pieces are how we leverage that data and how we take smart decisions based on the data that we are receiving right so 
IIoT in some cases is not just a piece that you bring in, it's everything on inside of that single piece. It's, it's more a kind of integration of the whole the whole thing, right? Um, and, and again, so you ask about AI. So AI, we use AI in so many forms. We use AI to optimize. We use AI to predict. We use AI to estimate. And with different methods, with statistical methods, with phenomenological equations, for example, but but maybe uh, just kind of as we were we were mentioning before, right? Like uh, finding those touch points are are pretty tricky, right? Like uh, knowing where that's going to be implemented effectively is is pretty challenging in its own right. Yeah, again, it's as as we as we talked earlier, right? Uh, th those are tools. Don't be afraid to not use a tool, for example, right? Or at least be aware of your problem if you. If you don't know how to do it, find a partner to help you uh, make that, you know, initial evaluation or even the initial trials uh, or the initial prototypes for for that problem. Right? Yeah, I, I, this is probably a, a faulty uh, analogy here, but you know, it's kind of like a, when you have a bad smell in your house, right? And you, you just don't notice it because you've gone nose deaf to it. And then you have a guest who comes in and they smell it right away, right? It's just, you know, just bringing an extra set of eyes or in this case, a, an extra nose into the situation helps you maybe just see things that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. but but that that's a good, that's a fair point and a good point because uh, if we look back, the most successful technology implementations we have ever done was the ones that the customers sit down bes beside us and help us understand what is happening and help us, you know, bring the technology as well, right? I always say, hey, you are the one that knows your process better than me. I don't know. I don't know your plant. I don't know your process. Uh, and each one has their own, you know, um, their own things. Right, their own specificities, their own their own problems. So even if you get a completely similar plant, you can have completely different technolo technological solutions for for both cases. Yeah. Um, and then, are there are there maybe other examples of trending technologies that are kind of ha making you know having an impact on the manufacturing space? Well, uh, I I I'm I'm the last month, so I always been so I'm a mechatronical engineer, and I always been passionate about robots, right? And uh, I have been uh, studying, looking a lot about cobots. So those cobots are, uh, you know, robots that are able to to work besides a human, right? So they are not replacing human, but they are, you know, helping human with, you know, repetitive uh, tasks, for example, that may bring some fatigues or some kind of problems to the human. So that's that's one of the things that I'm looking a, a lot and I hope I can get, we can get some, some uh, ball rolling about a cobot 
they even have uh, some setups where it's like a, you can manipulate like a robotic arm within like a 3D space for like those really kind of particular re or repetitive repetitive tasks that typically have only been able to be performed by humans, right? But you, you have an operator who literally like positions yeah. it in the way that it needs to be, and then the 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 robot itself remembers those kind of actions, right? And then it's that would be something similar to that, right? Yeah, that that's the that's the primary difference between a robot and a cobot because you know a robot, for example, um, they usually have in, inside of a manufacturing, they usually are protected by a by a cage. They have some some uh, you know in the in the space that the arm is passing through, they avoid to have humans there because uh, you know humans can be you know hurt with a movement or something like that, uh, which is different with a cobot because it's a very sm smaller scale um, robot and it, it is safe for a human to be working besides uh, a, a robot. So that's that's really the, the difference. This has been a really great conversation. You know, I, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts um, and we'd love to do this again with you. Yeah, sure. No, thank you very much for that. And um, yeah, looking looking to see you to to see you soon. Thank you yeah, very well, much. Yeah, we'll see each other. We'll we'll see each other soon enough, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to extend a special thank you to Leo for joining us today. To learn more about smart manufacturing innovations, check out our trends blog. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. We release new episodes every month. Until next time, this has been the Steph Talks Podcast.